Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey everybody, Noons here. Great to have you with me, V8 Sleuth Podcast, for another week. And if you're a long-time listener, you know that this week it's part two of my chat with Dale Wood. If you're not a long-time listener, then that's okay. Go and have a listen to part one, have a listen to the back catalogue, and then part two makes a lot more sense. But if you like good stories, you'll enjoy this part of the pod regardless, if you have or you haven't heard part one. Now, in part one, we covered off Formula Ford and the early stages of Dale's racing career and starting racing in an ex-Eddie Irvine Van Diemen, how he got into the V8 Supercar Development Series, and the time that he gave Supercars Hall of Famer uh, team owner Ross Stone a spray because he didn't know who the legendary team boss was. Tell you what, he figured out pretty quickly after that just who he was. Now, this part's a ripper. We pick it up with Dale getting the big break into V8 Supercars, the main championship full-time in one of four Cali Racing Commodores with that team making its debut. But... As Dale would find out, the road to get into the category is one thing. To stay in it, well, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Now, I ventured out to Woody's signage business, Sign Point, in Lilydale in the outer suburbs of Melbourne, and we sat down to talk about his really interesting career. So let's barrel into it, buckle up, lock yourself in. Time for part two of Dale Wood on the V8 Sleuth podcast. So you really want... A main game drive. Yeah. You get the Enduros in 2008 with Tasman. That's nice, but it's not quite what you want. When I dug out the sponsorship proposal that I've – it's still sitting in front of you here on the, the desk as we chat. I found another little note, and this is from 2009 or maybe late 08, and I think you might have asked me to write and craft together a bit of a, an update to your partners and your backers on that there was a chance to get into the main game. And I'd forgotten about this until I went looking for that sponsorship proposal that you've got in front of you. And I found this note and it was that Kelly Racing was an opportunity because they were having their own team, that there was a seat uh, potentially at Walkinshaw Racing and Ford Rising Stars, which was that year – I can't remember how that had all mapped out that year, but it it ended up wound in through – FPR, I think Moffat drove the Rising Stars car and development series. But so, how did the the wheels to the Kellys start and the opportunity to to be a full timer in in oh nine? Um, I wanted that Rising Star one. I remember it now is that, that that was probably the one that I really wanted to to try and get. I felt like that was going to give me the best opportunity. Um, but you know, and then it it didn't come about. I can't remember who got that drive in the end. Yeah, well, I, I think they it had been. Patrizzi in 08, the green car that ran out of FPR for Jim Morton. Yeah. And then in 09, the Rising Stars program was the Norton car with Moffat. Oh, no, sorry. That was 10. That was 10 I'm thinking of here. So um, Moffat was driving at Sonic in development series in 09. So um, having a mental blank on where that franchise went and who did what to who. But anyway. That was the one I wanted and we definitely had a few chats with Tim Edwards then to try and get that one going. But. Didn't have the confirmed dollars and that behind me. So got some dollars behind me and then, long story short, obviously ended up getting that, um, getting the spot at Kelly Racing and uh, and got stuck well and truly involved with Rick 
first day on the job there, we were wrapping the transporters and, and bits and pieces. So they were like, all right, this bloke at least he's going to come here and at least he's handy and can do some work and with it's, us. It's not just bloke who turns up to drive race car. He can stick a cars. He's got – and that's probably what's worked for you a lot over the years. You've got that added skill set. Yeah, bring, it's probably you know, maybe been looked at as a bit of a worker, I guess. And yeah. Probably can have always settled into teams pretty well and like probably formed a fairly good crew of people around me. Um, so anyway, that that you know worked well with the Cali thing. There was had the money from high tech oils coming in, um, logical, a few different sponsors then that were on board. Um, but I mean that one that was a tricky one. I remember rolling up. It was a real tough one for the Kellys putting that together. It was like the usual thing. Start our own team, and it was just very last minute trying to get everything together. Got to Adelaide. I put in the was having a ripping first practice session until I went too hard through turn eight mm-hmm. and uh, put the car into the put the car into the wall at turn eight. You know, and again that one there was a real moment where it was like that's that's not what the new kid on the block should be doing. But I actually felt probably like I went into that. With a little bit of my old mojo, maybe from that sort of the year prior, not not the year prior in DVS, but the year before that, it was like right, let's just get you know, get a bit loose again, and then get stuck in anyway. Sure enough, bang, you're in the wall. Get a big spray off Larry Perkins, um, because Larry was Larry was quite involved then, and Jack was in the other car. Yeah, and the Kellys had sort of absorbed what had been Perkins Engineering to form their yep. team for for that year because they had four, so it was. Rick and Todd in the Jack Daniels cars. Yep. Jack, sorry, Rick and Todd in the Jack Daniels cars, Jack in the Dodo car, and you're in the red high-tech car. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, So, yeah, smashed that up. And then, anyway, got through that weekend. A lot of that I can't remember. There was a real, I suppose it was a very stressful time because I was still desperately trying to get partners on board to bring bucks in. Um, So you didn't have the full year budget? Didn't have the Just enough to get... It going. Yeah, but there was a pretty good thing going on there with Nick Ryan as well, sort of helping out and sort of pushing where he could on different things. And we're sort of all sort of working away at it. Yeah, Yeah. Nick was, yep. Um, A real standout moment though, like I suppose for me in that year, to to cut a lot of stories out of there I guess, is I walked in at the end of Darwin round, I walked into the um, coach there and there was a guy kind of managing the team, Patrick Ricky, Mm -hmm. at the time. There was – I'm not sure what his involvement was. I'm not sure if he was a part owner. I think he was – Ricky's were family friends with John and family friends Kelly and, from, from yeah. memory, from memory. And I walked into the coach. I should have. I'm not even sure if they actually know that I walked in, but at the time I walked into him saying, we'll just fuck him off. <laughs> and it was in regards to myself. <laughs> and this was when Mark McNally – that was with the McNally family. Um, so then I got the – then I got told about half an hour or so after that. So I'd heard that, had really crapped myself, and I was really, really gutted at the time. And then got told about half an hour after that, yeah, you're gone, That's that'll be your last one. And that Mark McNally was coming in and, you know, he's obviously able to bring a lot of money to the team and all that sort of thing. So that was a really, really hard, like, moment then for me. I went back to the apartment I was staying in. I was losing tears for hours and I had a 2.30 red-eye flight yeah. home on, the, on a plane with full of supercar people and I felt absolutely tiny. I felt rock bottom then. Um it was a really crappy time and it was like, what do I do now? Like how do and I th- – And this is only like what, five, six rounds into the season? Maybe five rounds. Yeah, yeah five rounds yeah. in. It actually had a pretty good run at um, the round before qualifying and speed was really good at Tasmania but then had a horror run in with James Courtney. Yeah, I remember. And yeah. um, copped quite a 
caught quite a spray off him on the television and uh, it wasn't doing nothing for my reputation. I was, I really was sort of rock bottom then and it was, you know, copping that spray off James was um, pretty deep. Murph was unbelievable. He went up and uh, he went up and bailed James up and they had fairly serious words actually in Murph, you know, in support of me and um, what it was. So, yeah, I don't know, the whole lot then it was really, it was, it was rock bottom, got that, got told that, flew home on that flight and it was like, what the hell am I going to do now? Um, once I sort of got my head back into gear and I was like, okay, how does all this look? The Kelly said, stay around, work, you know, do signage, do all the stickers and stuff here. So they basically said, look, we've got a guy who's got a fair bit of budget locked in, good, you're unclear on budget, yep. we have to make a business decision. Yeah, so I hated I hated Patrick Ricky's approach. Yeah. Not, you know, probably wasn't a huge fan of his tact and the way it was all handled, that sort of thing. It was yep. just a fuck him off, he means nothing. And I think that's one thing, if anything, that I've seen over the, the years and you've probably learnt this too with the, the journey of motor racing, you can deliver bad news but there is a way to do it. Yep. And and it's it's how you deliver things, whether they're good or bad, that makes a massive difference to people even though the content is still exactly the same of what's, yep. you know, you're out of a car. Yep. But there's probably a way to do it or, or not And at the it. time, that for me, that was that was everything. Everything to me was about being in supercars and right, trying to progress and, you know, get through. And it was – it just wasn't working that year. I mean, maybe for a list of, for a lot of reasons, maybe, but it was first year with a team and them trying to get everything sorted and all that sort of thing. As I say, I say all this now with not, with no bad blood around it. It's just telling a story as to how it happened. Mm. At the time, it hurt like hell. Now I look back and I go, they're all just moments that happened and I'm grateful for them, I guess, because I'm where I'm at, you know, mm. where I'm at now. But didn't like Patrick Ricky, didn't like the way it was approached. I can't remember how it all came about after that, but it was Rick that probably got onto the phone to me, always had a pretty good approach and me and him have always had a really good understanding of each other. And he was the one that, why don't we convince me or whatever it was, put it to me to say, right, come along, engineered, help with Jack, who's struggling with him with somebody on the radio that he can communicate with and relate to and all that sort of thing. So I jumped on the radio for Jack. So the following round at Townsville, I was on the radio, yeah, for Jack, sticker in the cars and all that sort of thing. Somehow I managed to put all that sort of other stuff behind me and um, then pressed on and then raced with him at... Phillip Island, Bathurst. Bathurst. I don't know if there was another one after that. I can't remember now. I think that was when the Gold Coast was, was a single driver. Yeah. Oh, no, the Internationals came yes. the next year. That came oh, the next it? year. Yeah. Okay. But you were back with Kelly's there because I think you drove with Tony Riccadello from memory. Oh, Jesus. How are we going to – yeah, maybe. I can't remember that one yeah, now because, either. because that's when not every team had to put an International in both cars. Yes. They had to okay. put them in one. Yep. And in 2010 you did the Enduros with Todd in the Jack Daniels car. But then on the Gold Coast, I'm pretty sure you drove with, with Tony. With Tony okay. from memory. From my memory. Where are we? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, all right. So, oh, no, so we've, we've, and this has been a theme I've had with so many guys talking on this podcast. It's 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 the waves. Yep. It's the get in the Magal, we're going great, the world wants to know me, yep. up. 07, going right, going right. Yeah, I'm in yeah. V8s, great. This guy's, again, it was oh, like, shit, this I'm guy's smashing really some good. stuff up, down. Yep. 08, oh, making my debut at Bathurst, great. Oh, uh, 09, I'm in the full, oh, main game, yeah, Unreal. great. Six months later, boom. Rock bottom. Rock. Is that the most rock bottom of the rock bottoms over the journey? I would say so. That that was, yeah, really, really tough for me. I did not, I lost direction, I reckon, of how am I doing this, how am I going to do it? What is what's life looking like for me? Yeah. So you know, because I think you you don't have your sponsor that backed you the last couple of years, and he couldn't do it anymore. No, so a great thing with him, a great relationship with him, but he just couldn't do it, and that's fine. I think I'd like to think over the time I've always been, 
I've had some unbelievable people and companies, brands, and that behind me. I've always been well and truly aware that nothing lasts forever. Everything, mm. it's nothing's going to continue on. Be appreciative of that of what you had and the support you got, and don't be that when the door closes disgruntled. I guess I don't know what the terminology is there, but I think I'd like to think maybe that's just my parents that have sort of always embedded that into me is just be really appreciative of that support that you get. It's going to come to an end. Whether you like it or not, doesn't matter how good a job you do, at some point it's going to come to an end. And then it's your job to mm. create that new one, open mm. that new door, whatever it is. But mm. be, you know, be really appreciative of the support you've had. And that definitely was with Andy and what he got going there. So, yeah, Rock, um, so 09, not feeling good, was working away at the Kellys. Um, and it was at that point as well that I'd gotten back onto the a phone to a friend to say that I'm not really enjoying this. And this is not really for me and blah, blah. I want to start my own business. In terms of signage. In terms of signage and yep. have a bit of direction and go, right, I need something behind me and I need to be making some money ultimately. I was making stuff all money and, and all that. So, yeah, had started that and then stayed very much involved with the Kellys because, yeah, the following year I was helping him, helping again on the signage side of things and then got – it was from a test day that they did. There was a few people sort of run through the cars and then I remember sitting in the boardroom at Kelly Racing and them going to Todd, right, who do you want? Like after this day that we've had, who do you want in your car to be with you? And um, and he just looked over and he actually goes, this fuckhead. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, in a great way and that's the way we, me and myself and the Kellys have always communicated, but it is that and, uh, and, and he, you know, chose me. And so I was pretty wrapped with that to put a Jack Daniels suit on. I think there was a bit of a moment again. It was like, this is cool. I'll... I take this moment in because it was – didn't know whether it was a stepping stone. I didn't know what it was, but it was a cool drive. It's something. It was it's a pro, for me, it was a profile good. drive to drive yeah. with Todd. Yep, Bathurst winner. Yeah, yeah, to drive, yeah. Um, you know, with Todd in a Jack Daniels suit for some reason in that in that car for me. It oh, was it's an iconic brand. It's, there was something yeah, cool about yeah, it. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And um, at the time, and James Small Engineering. I really, He's done a few things, hasn't he, in these yeah, time? Yeah, has done a bit. Um, so, Small is something I think about a lot because he was – he's a really good dude and – um, don't know. Me and him sort of clicked really well on just I don't know in certain things and how what I was doing in the team and him understanding probably me and what I was going through and and all that. He was at the time. Um, I was trying to get. I think I was trying to propose to Jess, and he was at a similar time. So I remember we used the same jeweler to have to have a ring. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the same ring. No, no, no. Jeez, you no, no same jeweler to get it to get our wedding rings made and bits and pieces. And um, so anyway, small engineering. Hang on, no, 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 no. Where did you pop the question? What did you do? Did you do something special? Um, what was I doing? Oh, I don't know. It's corny shit, but I was <laughs> yeah, we were in Bali with my brother and his now wife. This was me, Jess, uh, my brother and yeah, his um girlfriend at the time. And then we were sitting at breakfast and Jess was like, Oh, what are we gonna do today? And I said, and I think I just I still sat there. I didn't get on my knee. I was always like, I'm not gonna get on my knee. I just sat there and I said, I don't know, but do you wanna marry me? And um and then yeah, sort of, a, and handed the ring over. My brother had brought it over, and he just about had a punch on with somebody at the um, at security because he was trying to keep it on him. And when he went through security, they were waving it all over, and they were trying to go through his bag and rip this wedding ring out. And he was then going, he was telling them where to go because he didn't want the ring seen. And anyway, <laughs> more stories. But um, yeah, anyway, that's what I did there with Jess, and um, somehow she's still with me. I have no idea how. But uh, yeah, so then drove with Todd, and then. I can't remember. That period for me is a little bit like after that, I'm not really sure what happened. I obviously know the next year I got to drive with Dalberto. Mm-hmm. Really good time that. I really loved that. I loved that. That car was 
Something pretty F- cool at the FPR time. FPR car, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. FPR car. Um, something pretty cool. I met some individuals as well. Then, I mean, Tony might say that I stole his sponsors. Um, I'm sure his dad would probably definitely say that. Tony has a bit more of a laughable approach at it that we both do now. But um, anyway, that's when I met the guys from GB Galvanising who have been a massive part of my motorsport ever since. Um, such close friends, such amazing people. And, again, people that have helped me and got me into positions that I wouldn't have been in without them. So drove with Alberto, met the um, the guys from GB. I drove with Tony for two years. Mm. Um, yeah, whether how much we fast track ahead there, I'm not sure. Yeah, well, I was going to say the other part here is so you, you, you got your own business going along. Yeah. And so that's, you know, best part of 13, 14 years ago now. So, I mean, you've grown it from, what, two-man band yep. back in those days. Yeah. What is that the day job by that stage? Uh, it was the thing that was – Probably paying paying money. So mm. I didn't get anything, nothing paid, I think, to drive with Todd. They gave me a mo- but they gave me a motorbike. So and I was pretty stoked with that actually. <laughs> gave me a brand new KLX four fifty. So um that was pretty exciting. That was my pay to drive with Todd. Um the year after with Delberto's, I think that was just a that was the best option for me at the time. I felt like that that car's good. That team would throw on it. They were throwing a lot at it at that point to really try and get that thing going. And um, that was a great opportunity for me. Got a couple of spots on the car so I could raise my own money, make a little bit of money there. Mm. Ultimately, to put food on the table, was um, was doing stickers. So mm. was flat out um, outside of that doing doing signage and running my business, which we'd got a factory at this point. There was a couple of us, maybe three of us. Then we had an apprentice as well. Um, I was doing bits and pieces, I think. I did some mini races for McElroy's. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that. Yeah, with Andy McElroy. Um, real funny moment. That was um, – so who – Glenn's was – Glenn, did Glenn Seaton do some? Yeah, he did. He drove like the uh, – I think it was called the Uber Star Car or something yep. along those lines. It was the VIP yeah, that's right. car of a guest driver. He did a few of them, yeah. So I did Adelaide and I did Melbourne Grand Prix in a mini with McElroy's. Um, oh, I had so much fun. They were a fun car to drive. Got into an absolute blue in Park Ferme with Dean Canto um, over some little battles we had there. <laughs> um, we laugh about now, which is good. Um, I had driving, yeah, and so some battles there with yeah with Cito, and then driving down the main straight of Melbourne Grand Prix. One of McElroy's mechanics came over the radio to say that he had my wife in his hands as I was racing down the main straight. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you might want to, they were all like, you might want to come in because Dan's got his hands all over your wife. And <laughs> it was, he was a mechanic. Dan, he's gone on to do a few things. I've gone blank, big tall guy. He might have gone to DJR and bits and pieces. He's been around the traps for a while. But I don't know, a lot of fun. So it started to get a little bit of. So you got the fun back. You, got the fun you, back, you, I reckon. Yeah, yeah you got Stupid the. Stupid sounds. And, and sort of it's the it's the balance yep. of not all the eggs are in the racing basket. The race, and I reckon looking from the outside on it, that's the period where a lot of drivers have that period of that whole intense soul tunnel vision of I want to be a racing driver full time, get paid, win the championship, be in supercars, blah, blah, blah. The reality almost dawns to go, well, actually, I've got to have a life. If that's not going to quite work yep. out that way, I've got to have a business, I've got to have a job, I've got to have something to support me, my family, and what we're doing. It's probably in that era that you start to then almost go, well, actually, if I. Network right, yep. run my business, I can do my car racing, do my enduros and other bits and pieces, enjoy it, have it funded, click it all together, 
best of both worlds. Yes. And, and that's what you've really done for the best part of 10 years now. I learned a lot in that era. So as people, you know, and you laugh, you go, when did mini racing? It's got a good, cool category back then. It's kind of worked well and we, and you raced at some good events. So I went and did that, raised the money to do it. Obviously still cost a bit to go and do that, raised more than what I needed. So I started to make a little bit of money on that front. Then had my signage business going um, and then was doing some stuff with Delbertos working pretty hard in the background as to what I wanted to do the following year. And I would still say that 2012 was probably my most enjoyable and rewarding year of racing ever. Really? Yeah. Um, absolutely loved it. So it, I don't want to fast forward too much. So sort of did that, but had got some people behind me, some companies again, just from cold calling, loose introductions and bits and pieces. And I think I started to learn a lot about the sponsorship side of things then. And I think that brings for another story in itself in that, I have been labelled a paying – like a – not a paid driver, a paying driver. A budget – a driver that brings a budget. A is do, that what you A driver mean? that brings a budget. Yeah. And there's a bit of a negative stigma around around that. And us often for your, you know, your keyboard warriors or whatever you want to call it, it's always that, you know, you're perceived a certain way. But I actually have loved – to where I've gotten now and the position I'm in, say, now with Carrera Cup, owning my own Porsche, deciding where I want to race and deciding – being in control of my own destiny now because I do have some fantastic people around me and, you know, sponsors, companies, brands, and have had over the time, um, I wouldn't do it any other way. And I've loved the, what I've learned about doing that. So call it being a paid driver if you like, but the control it gives you and the security that it gives you when you're in control like that way, um, I would say, and really if you pull it back, it's an expensive sport and if you look at – Many, many drivers around the world, you can probably call a lot of them paid dri- paying drivers if you mm. like, mm. but um, it's, it's really how you want to look at it. Yeah. You're either in a seat or you're not in a seat, and I had to do it. Yeah. I've had to do it a different way to some others. Yeah, yeah. and it's you're not the first and you're not the last. And yeah. That's the other thing. What's the craziest, wildest, most desperate thing you've ever done to go car racing? Oh, shit. Because I'm guessing there's probably been a couple over the journey. I mean, I've agreed to deals when I haven't had money coming in. You've told him that money's going to come and mm. you didn't have it? And it has come. You're not the last or first to do that either. Yeah, so, you know, and it has come. Um, not so much now. Back in the earlier days, definitely have been like, no, this is what's going to be coming and just backed myself to say that that was gonna, what's going to happen nine times out of ten it did. Mm. Um, I don't know if there's been anything in particularly crazy that I've done. I haven't sold any of my body parts. <laughs> None of them are big enough to sell. Um, you want some calves? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do have good calves. Fucking bastard, I've never had good calves. So, no, I don't reckon there's been anything in particular. I can't – I'm going to have to think about this one now. All right, we'll, we'll let come that marinate. Let yeah. that marinate. But the other question that I, I really want to know, and you mentioned her before, your wife Jess yep. cops it on socials from you. She does Photos, videos at unflattering moments when she's not looking, when she's not thinking that anyone's going to be taking a photo, let alone posting it. How has she not divorced you, smothered you in your sleep with your pillow? <laughs> uh, seriously, how does she put up with you? Because seriously, you are loose. You are loose. Maybe not as loose now. I'm trying to pull my head in a little bit. Right, just a little bit. And become a little bit more, well, you know, you, you have kids and no, nothing changes you as a person and you in your life more than having kids. And um, so that that's definitely a big one. I am still like to keep things a little bit loose. The relationship that Jess and I have and 
I, spe- I suppose the f- the friendship and that that we have is. I'd like to say I don't know that how many people experience that. I'm not sure, but it's bloody good. We we get each other really well, and don't not by any means is it always rosy. Um, I'm sure a lot of the times, nine times out of ten, she wants to kill me. <laughs> but we had, we do have some pretty good moments, and she has seen the absolute shit of me over my period, and knowing that I was have often been extremely tunnel vi- like tunnel vision, maybe is the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah selfish yeah. in my yeah. approach and as to what I've wanted to do with car racing. Um, and she's paid the price massively, but never, ever once has she ever bat an eye or ever said that this is not on or whatever. She has always been whatever it is you want to do, whatever is going to make you happy and whatever it is you want to do. So She just has to be very careful, though, when you're lurking around with a camera phone. She has to be careful. Sometimes I've overstepped it and um, I've heard her scream from another room when she got the notification on her social media or whatever, but... Uh, <laughs> Generally, I've just left them and said, oh, well, I always say to her, deep down, I reckon you love it. <clears throat> I'm not sure she does, but yeah, so uh, no, she's, yeah, like I say, pretty lucky with her. We have a bloody good time and um, I've no doubt it'll come back to me though. When in oh, my moments, that, she'll, yeah. that payback's going to be big. Yeah, it's going to be big. When I'm old and wrinkly and nothing works, I'm sure um, she'll probably get me at my weakest yeah, moment. Yeah, the interest rate charges on that payback are going to be yeah. really top-end loaded, really yeah. top-end loaded. So you said about 2012 being the best year of your your racing. So you were you went back to drive for GMR, Greg Murphy Racing, in yep. a Commodore in the Development Series Enduros with Tony Delberto and his Falcon. What was the? Why was that so good? Why did you enjoy that year? Um, so I'd gotten uh, I had a really a great way with John McMallan, um, and the way I sort of clicked with him and kind of got him at the back of a truck one day and said um, from Wilson Security from Wilson at Security the time, sorry yeah, yeah sorry obviously now with with ARG mm-hmm. and said a long involvement but was at Wilson for a really long time he was at Wilson for a long time and um and was extremely influential in again in getting me back up and going and probably I remember one key person that never sort of called any other way but I think it was Tony Whitlock Race facts Race facts long time journo around yep. the paddock yep. had um he wrote me off in a hard way and then called 202012. Um, I think he's had a terminology to somebody that I reinvented myself. And I probably look at it and go, well, I suppose from the outside looking in, that's that's what I did. I got a great group of people around me, one being um, John and Vince, Mark and Front from GB Galvanising, a great WOG family that um, I'm so bloody close with now and they've done so much for me. Um, and, and John and Deb at the time, very important and some key people underneath them, Paul Brazier and a few guys in that Wilson security division that went to bat for me, went into that company and said, this is a dude we need to get behind. He's got a great, I don't know, I suppose they liked my character, did a lot of golf days, did a lot, got very involved with that company and still am now with the signage side of things and know, I would like to say know a, a hell of a lot, more than most people inside that um, inside that company and, yeah, really grateful of all that. So they got behind me and funded me to do – and it was a cheap deal, really. Kev put something to me. He wanted to go out and really just have some fun and get his cars running. Um, there was Jeff Emery might have been in another one. Yeah, from Emery, yep. Um, and ended up, first couple of rounds was a bit of a struggle. Couldn't find our way, way with that car. Then when we got the ball rolling, I think maybe we had a run of podiums longer than anyone else had had at that time. Or uh, Yeah, and I remember you won a race at Winton later in the year. Won at Winton. Too. And there was the a second really, half of really the year, you got really rolling. We yeah. got crazy momentum and it came from having fun. And I literally just a lot of the weight of the world had come off my shoulders for some reason. I'm not really sure why. I suppose I'd been here before and it was like, oh, well, I just want to go and just have 
a great time. The category was really strong at that time. There was some, I think Scott Pye might have been there, Mott Chaz. Yep, in the Tickford or FPR car. <clears throat> McLaughlin, Percat. That was that year, that 2012 year that's talked about so often. Yep. Of those four guys in four main game cars, yep. it's kind of always viewed as the the class of all classes of yeah. development series that year. And I felt then that it was me in this car that should not have been. It wasn't on paper. It was a Tasman car that had never performed. It was old at that point. And we just, we I don't know, it just gelled. And we just got this momentum going where we had a run of podiums, won a race, and just had so much fun, you know, doing it. And I remember having some wicked battles. I'm sure, I know if you mentioned to Scott, one of his most frustrating races you know, if it was being McLaughlin. stuck behind me. Yeah, McLaughlin yeah. was being stuck behind me at Winton when I think I finished second or third and he was behind me. And then Winton's a great one that you can – you drive a little bit clever there. You can park yourself fairly well and that's what <laughs> I was doing. And, um, you know, he was stuck behind me for that whole race. And But I don't know, there was just lots of times I just – it was just such a fun year. I had the support of, yeah, great people around me that then took me on to do a lot of stuff. The following year I won the championship in mm. 2013. Wasn't, I would say, not as fun a year. The pressure came back on. Because you're actually running at the front. Expected, running at the front. I expected to win the championship. Because it was with Matty White and it was Will Davison's FPR car from the year before that mm. had done a lot of winning too. Yeah. So when everyone looked at the paper at the start of the year of here's the order of who's in what car, you're in yep. the top couple. So is that where the fun wasn't so much there? Because I mean, I had a great year. Don't get me yeah, wrong. It was yeah. really, really good. But I definitely know it wasn't a loose I don't know you, what the you, you word is. You put the old Woody back into the sort of the yeah the the, you know, the packet. You sort a bit of, of the to, weight came on. Yeah. A bit of the weight came on the shoulders again with that next year, and um, I knew again probably it was like I know where I want to be again. Mm. <laughs> I know what I want to work towards, and it's crazy to think now how much up and down my career has gone. Where getting into supercars, out rock bottom, slowly but surely, I guess making my way back again like a bloody pest <laughs> and, you know, and back in and then 2013, yeah, won the championship, had some wicked results. Steve Owen was, um, you know, he was in form then as well. He was in the other car because Chaz had got out of that. Because he went to DJR and you ended up with him. Yeah. For the, oh, actually, no, I just remembered. So 2012 Winton, I think that's the one where Jeff Emery won a race in the reverse grid race. That's what I was thinking of. Okay. Um, but I think you got on the podium or you had that one where you finished second or something. That was the Yeah, and then the we just got a run of anyway, podiums. Yeah. In that yeah. year, I got um, I can't remember where it started. Right near the, end, the last three or four, I think it might have been. Yeah, yeah. got a run of podiums and, t- and on paper again, we just shouldn't have. Mm. Old mm. car, mm. question marks around myself, should well, be getting, yeah. Well, then the year that you won in 13, you had five podiums from the seven rounds, including winning the round at Winton. Yeah. So consistency's flowing there, win yeah. the title, driving the Enduros with Chaz – for Dick Johnson Racing, mind you. So you drive for Dick Johnson here. Yeah. So talk about the ups and the downs. I mean, the oh. team's in a bit of a tough spot then financially. Yeah. But Wilson Security partner with them. Was that the bridge that linked They were that set, together? definitely struggling then. And obviously Chaz did one round. He did Adelaide. In the development series. In the development yep. series. And that was a bit of a key, cool moment for me because he was the hype. Um, and I, st- I look now and I go, I, I would probably – put your Chaz and Giz and that sort of thing, maybe in a bit of a league of their own of, of the era of the era that we have seen mm. more recently. So, you know, there was a lot of talk around Chaz. He did the one round. Uh, me and him were super close at that, at that first round. So for me it was a good thing. I was a, almost the old dog, almost like <laughs> this guy that we don't really know about now and that, you know. Um, but then Adam 
Adam was quite influential. Deborah was quite influential in getting me along into that into that seat. Because um, he'd been at Tasman previously, hadn't he? He'd been at Tasman. He was engineering Chaz at Matty Watts. Um, he was so with Chaz then. Then he went with Chaz to DJR, mm. and that's when that relationship sort of had formed, and it hasn't been broken. I don't think ever since. I think for one year. Okay. Where Adam went to Penske's. Okay. Yeah. And then was back to anyway. The so that, that's yeah, where pretty, that was yeah, starting. Pretty much the whole way through. Adam was definitely a big one for saying, "Yeah, let's go. Let's get Dale in the car with Chaz Wilson." Security was were helping that team. They were at a they were at a struggle there with Bucks, mm. and then obviously they would have been in the year to say, "Hey, we went Dale in as well." So that was a cool a cool moment. I don't I didn't realize how cool it was until now, mm. and always seeing like that model car. Yeah, the whole thing around that um, Green's Tough Falcon was yeah for Bathurst the retro for car. Bathurst was um was very cool. And for us, there's a special link there because on for Sandown, the first enduro, that's the debut of V8 Sleuth. Oh, there we go. It was on the back panel of that number 12 Wilson car oh. that you and Chaz drove at, yeah. at Sandown. And then you swapped to 17 for, yeah. for Bathurst. So, yeah, there's – not sure if there was a model car of the Sandown one made, but I might need to get one of those Code 3s made up to, yeah. to get that Sleuth logo, slap bang there you um, go, do on, it. The, on the back there. So I, I remember vividly having this chat. Um, with Steve Ellery last year, and the theme is the same. The ins, the ups, the outs, the ups, the ins, yep. the outs. So if we're looking at you as like a stock exchange item here, you know, Dale Wood Inc., <laughs> come 13, your stocks are up. Yeah. You know, people are buying Dale Wood. You yeah, know, We want a piece yeah. of Dale Wood. He's won the development series. He's had a drive with DJR, you know, Bannerhead team. Um, so for 14 – you're back in. Yeah. yeah back and, in. It, and it's those tie-ins and the Wilson because it's – I had Wilson security behind me a big way. I had GB galvanising very much, you know, in a, in a big way. They perhaps, without speaking out of school, weren't seeing eye to eye with Delbertos at the time. So, And, you know, and I formed a relationship with them that still stands so bloody strong now. So anyway, they were behind me. And so I had some bucks that I could bring to a team and I wanted back in. I Probably my preference well, – Was this like a scratch, an itch that you just had to scratch – no, it was like ba- it was no, it was real as hell. It was yeah. like this is what I want to do, and I've I've felt like in the in a period of say two years, worked my ass off to get myself back into that position, showcase that I can, I am fast and I can win, and now this is what I want to do. Mm. Unfortunately, in that period, I don't know if it's like five years have gone, so you become that young guy, mm. that really fast young guy, <laughs> but he's tearing a bit of shit up to being that guy now. He's like. Yeah, he's not that young anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he's been around a little bit. So anyway, I spoke with quite a few people, tried again pretty hard with Tim Edwards. Um, probably what I wanted was the Charlie drive at the time. I wanted that um, Geldwin car. Yep. yep. Um, so that was one I tried really hard with and in the end sat down with a sports psych that Charlie employs. Um, had been quite involved with Cricket Australia and bits and pieces. So he did a bit of analysis of me and he also did the same with Jack. And I think I can only assume, I believe he can't with the analysis that I ain't the man. <laughs> <laughs> so at the time I was a bit, at the time I was pissed. Yeah. At the, now I laugh. I go, yeah. I am what I am. And he saw something that didn't quite, didn't think that I was going to be any good and he thought Jack was the man. So um, that's when Charlie chose Jack. And then I was also in lesser talks probably with Brad um, but ultimately, and I, I get it now, but ultimately as well for Brad, he needed the biggest amount of money for that third car because, mm. and that's the way that the Jones have done it for a long time. It, it ain't easy to do this. 
they've they employ a lot of people up there, and um, you know, you need mm. you need bucks coming in. So, but anyway, I did, and I got the call on New Year's Eve um, from John McMallon to say that you'll be driving that car for twenty. 14. 14. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that a was good buddy. That's and I was a, with the Kellys. How many beers did you have by that stage? I was sitting at a table in Mildura with the Kellys um, at their on their farm around the shack and um, told them then. So, and they were, yeah, they were pumped as well. I remember hugging Alicia and Rick saying, that's bloody awesome. And, but and all that you were so, hugging his wife or? Yeah. <laughs> that was the wrong context. <laughs> um, but no, nah, so no, I remember that was a, that was a cool moment and it was like, yes, shit, yes, I'm. I'm back. I'm back mm. and I'm going to be doing that. And, um, yeah, and again, so geez, you get into that year and some some serious highs and some serious lows. What's the high? Um, Winton Podium. I thought you might say that. Yep. So that was the round, if my memory's right, I'm pretty sure this was, that was the Winton round where there was that sealant in the track, wasn't sealant it? Sealant in the track. And it's it unbelievable. Fa- like two seconds faster. It was unbelievable. I remember the lap. And I remember getting limiter where we should never have gotten limiter. And um, I followed Chaz in that session, which just in the order of qualifying and the way it all sort of unfolded for that last tyre run. I remember following Chaz and um, I remember walking past him and um, and him like cheekily saying, I gave you a toe, you bastard. <laughs> and, I, you know, I think I'd qualified third there. So it might have been, um, I think it was Fabs, Giz, myself, Lowndes. I think I was parked next to Lowndes on the grid. Um, and then behind that was variety and bits and pieces. Anyway, really cool moment, then finished third and had recently had my first, um, reasonably recently had my first boy on actually, he was about six months old then. So Jacko and he said, and then Kim Jones grabbed him and put him in the trophy and um, put that up. So lots of Jesus, cool that was stuff. Cool lots stuff. of cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Then, and um, geez, and then, yeah. And lots of, lots of shit stuff as well. Probably, you know, in that time at BJR, I had a different, Definitely a different number two mechanic virtually, I'd say, every single round. And number one mechanic that at the time I, I couldn't communicate with because he didn't speak any English. Um, had a new engineer then. I had for that year, it's going to be a struggle. I think it was Jules, Stan, Julian Stannard. Julian Stannard. Julian yep. Stannard. Yep. Things are quite new into it. Um, I don't know, lots of things there that made it without – I hate excuses, so I don't, mm. definitely not even making excuses, but just that made it difficult to find that sort of run. But that year there was enough good, you know, ran well and truly inside the top 10 or in the top few at Darwin or finished fifth at Darwin and just had lots of really good rounds. Bathurst. Um, shootout. Yep, shootout yep. there, qualified third at Bathurst um, and then in the shootout. Like just had some real standout moments from that year that I remember that, that was bloody awesome and probably enough to – over way the shit mm. like some of the bad you know the crappier rounds that we'd had yep 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 so the so the Bathurst one that had because the BJR cars were lit because didn't three of them I think make in the shootout from memory but then it all the the BJR Bathurst it's either a boom or a bust and yep. it was a bust that year because I think that was that the year that the safety car crashed at the top of the hill yep I drove up the back of Bridie under safety car yeah that's right well, you just caught the the train caught the train was like. Yeah, so, you know, it was on the radio, right, catch a train, catch a train, catch a train because we've recently been in the pits, came over the top, right over that crest, couldn't stop. <laughs> Went straight into the I'm back in of the body. train, not The actually, lowest. Oh, yeah. Man, that was shit. No, I, no, I shouldn't, that, not the lowest moment. There's been lower. A, an embarrassing shit moment mm, mm. <laughs> is what that was. Mm. Running up the back there, sitting up on top of the mountain with a car, you know, talk about highs, obviously qualifying third and then run up the back of your teammate under a safety car. <laughs> 
Well, how many people can say that they've done that? Ah, exactly. You know, it's, it's an exclusive club. <laughs> Another it's an exclusive moment. club. It's that's, but that's the tapestry of experience, of life, and the good and yep. the shit and, and all that stuff. So, a couple of years at BJR here, um, and then we're, so fourteen and fifteen, and then what's next? So the year again. So put the year together again for fifteen. Had the same group of supporters around me. A lot of good stuff happened again in that year. Like quite competitive, and then some not good stuff. I. Probably had a bit of a battle just, again, with that inconsistency in people on my car and forming that sort of team thing around me and kind of looking into the other two cars, I guess, which at the time was um, Fabs and Brody. Uh, Brody was that year as well, the second year as well. It must have been. I've, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So looking into there and kind of just feeling like I'm just it's not all, I don't know, mm. it wasn't quite working. Um, one funny moment was we had the, what did they used to call it when they put the, cars on the track and with all the drivers and, the other, and then the, the, the crowd could come in and sort of. Oh, like the. the, the they, had um, a name, they had a name for it. Track attack or something like that. Like well, all the cars rode up on the grid for punters to come and. Yeah, like, somewhere to a track on the track. Up and down the pit lane. They just and, did it somewhere on the track. So we did it at Homebush. Oh, I remember the that. Round. They drove all the cars out and around and parked them somewhere on the out track the back. For, for fans to go and. So I could now around here turn two. Yeah, that rings a bell. All the cars were out there. Anyway, my mechanic got in. Sided around the back, so we finished that. Um, the True Colour Track Walk That's is what it. it was called. Yeah, well done. True Colour well Track done. Walk. Left that, raced up to the top because it was right before qualifying. Get our suits on everything, me, Fabs, Bridie. Then you run down to pit lane, wait for your mechanic to bring your car around. Well, my mechanic decided he was going to try and do a burnout oh, no. um, on his way around from the True Colour Track Walk and stuck it in the fence. So came I don't down, remember this at all. No, came down um, pit lane with one wheel literally not – it was on the car but barely attached. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so I still see Mikey. Um, anyway, I see, see him around the Porsche thing and all that sort of thing. I'm sure it was not one of his finest moments either. <laughs> anyway, so car properly smashed up. And I just – I don't know. I feel like in that year just a few good things – more, but the waiting was went back the other way. Fourteen yeah. more good than bad, but yeah, 15, I'd say so. Fourteen had some real standout moments, some shit moments, but enough standouts to keep you. Yeah, fifteen was just a bit. Uh, I mm. don't know. There was mm. nothing yeah, super yeah. cool about it. Yep, amazing about it. Um, at that, at the end, I really wanted to be in that. Um, second car, so I wanted to be in Slady's spot. I wanted to be in that Freightliner car when Fabian left. When Fabs left, um, it was spoken about. With Brad a few times, it was, I don't say close. I don't know how close it was. It was on the cards and it was a possibility and it was sort of thrown around and all that sort of thing. Anyway, pretty quickly got the idea that it wasn't happening and that oh, I just maybe felt like I wasn't I wasn't going to get my ch- get a chance. I still had people around me supporting me and we weren't going to get that opportunity that I say I needed or wanted in that third car. So that's when I'd started talking with Rick um, about going over there. And with Rick and particularly Nick, I reckon at the time, Nick Ryan. So who's at Essendon Footy Club now? Yeah, yeah, yeah I know my, yeah. my footy club. So I love that now. I'd want to hit him up for tickets, but I don't know oh, he's that guy. You know. Well, the funny thing is too. Hey, uh, dude. I, when I first met Nick, he was working for James Henderson. Yes, who's a partner who runs DSEG, yes. who manages Elster Clarkson, Ricky Ponting. He was a partner in Tasman back huh. in those days, and that's where Nick first came into supercars around the time that. You're getting your photo taken with Jamie Winkup at the workshop at Harrop's. So that's it's a crazy. small world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it is crazy. Yeah. Um, so so that's why young racing drivers 
don't tell anyone to F off like yeah, Dale yeah, did yeah. to Ross Stone in part <laughs> one because you never know where your next deal might come from. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's a, And that's a massive one for any for kids coming up these days is seriously be careful if you – if you fuck something up, make amends, fix it up, you know, because Put you just up. don't know. You don't know how <laughs> that could impact you later on. And especially in, in sports and stuff, it's just crazy the way mm. the tables turn. So anyway, um, you know, got that gig and I sort of had really said that, right, we want this, I want the opportunity, you know. So the opportunity was there in, call it the fourth car, whatever it is, at Nissan at this time. They were the, maybe this were they their second or third year into Nissan now? Oh no, by sixteen they're into their fourth year. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, so yes, that's what I need. Got a little bit of pay, got a car, like got a Nissan car that I could give to Jess. Um, got a little bit of pay, and I was like, all right, this is a great opportunity. All right, here we go, two year deal. Um, without sort of yeah, so fast track a little bit. Darwin round four or five mm-hmm. of that year. So this is the same round. In 09, yeah. you overhear that you're going to get the ass from Kelly's. <laughs> yes, over here. Is this history walking. repeating? I don't know. It was a moment that I disregarded. I thought, no way. But um, Caruso bailed me up in the truck and he said, mate, I'm hearing a lot of talk and there's people around that are saying that there's going to be a girl coming in to this, coming to the category. And, you know, there was um, the female from Harvey Norman, the lady from Harvey Norman. Katie Page. Okay, so she huge, was around. Huge supporter of female sport in, in all codes and all yep. areas and she was big time behind um, that Supergirls thing that Simona Renee Gracie did yep. in 15 and then again in 16 in a wild card in the Nissan team. Okay, there you go. So so she was really involved. She was around the team. I was buried in my own world. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's not going to, mate, I've got two years here. Rick and Todd are my friends. Like, you know, everything's, <laughs> everything's sweet. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? He goes, no, I'm telling you. He goes, I'm pretty safe. And you know they're two, though they're both safe. And Caruso. Because well, their loves, name's on the building, so you well, know. Well, Caruso's amazing at having his ear to the ground. And he's a passionate wog that speaks with passion. Yes. And he's like, I'm yes. telling you. And changes gears with passion too. That's what we love. <laughs> bang, we bang, love bang, bang. So I was like, ah, oh, nah. Anyway, sure enough, it's all started to unfold. And it put a lot of strain. Like it put a lot of strain on the friendship and the relationship and things like that. And with the Kellys, you With mean. the Kellys, sorry, yeah, yeah with yeah. the Kellys because it did. It all started to unfold pretty quickly then and it was being kept from me. I felt like it was being kept from me when the, there was the elephant in the room. It was it was massive. It was like everybody knew bar me mm. and me and I was just trying to find, you know, really trying to go, come on, just tell me, is this? And I couldn't get a straight answer from anybody and maybe they didn't have a straight answer to give me. But it was definitely a shitty time. It was – I didn't – I couldn't perform and, I don't know, nothing was working again. Not a good time. So – and at this time then I'd started talking to Barry Ryan um, and was mates with him. We'd go motorbike – you know, go motorbike riding and I'd been to his house and bits and pieces and had known him – had known him for a very long time. In particular, one moment um, – one moment in particular when when Jess, when Jess lost her mum, when her mum died, I was with Barry and – you know, there was some real key moments there and and he'd sort of said, listen, come here. And so I had pretty much did a deal. So at Gold Coast, I had worked out enough that no one's telling me what's going on. Everyone's telling me bar the key people. And I can't be left too late. And I can't be left too yeah. late. Something's going on. And I had told my supporters that, listen, something's going on here. I think I'm, I think I'm screwed. I'm going to be out. There's a girl coming in, blah, blah. 
went and what late one night, whether it was the Saturday night of Gold Coast, went up to Betty's hotel room, sat down with Betty and Barry, and I'd actually that day finished sixth. Um, so it was a good moment. Like I'd run pretty – Stock exchanges going yeah, back stock up Yeah, stock exchanges, sorry, yeah, yeah. go back up. Yeah. Saw Barry and he's like, come on, let's do it. The, you know, deal done. We sort of shook hands on it and said, yes, this is what's happening. And I and told my sponsors and all that. And at this point, it is really tough when you're – you feel like you're continually telling your sponsors the same thing, your supporters, that they believe in they believe in me and I know that they still believe in me for many more reasons than what my results were on track. But when you're telling him that story, you know, guys – uh, we need to get out of here because this is not working. And again, we're again, having this chat. Yeah, yeah and yeah. we need to sort of be here and all that sort of thing. So anyway, um, deal was done to go to Erebus, and then yeah, I don't know, many stories came from from that year again. Australian Muscle Car Magazine is one of the most respected voices in motoring media. There's been over 140 issues and thousands of stories published in the last 22 years. From the amazing muscle car machines of the past to the present and the stars that steered and built them, AMC has something for everyone. Delve into the heritage of homegrown high performance now at musclecarmag.com.au. So what year are we talking now? 2017. 2017, I would say the worst year for me personally of my life and probably hit a rock bottom that I didn't know existed. So worse than 09. So you, you mean in, in your world completely rather than just your car racing world? Yes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, so obviously out of, out of Nissan into Erebus, the wheels started to fall off that extremely quickly. Um, you know, the relationship fell apart with myself and Barry and some things went on then like – I don't know, we just end up getting to a point and I got into a point and I think life's different. So when I say I was really, you know, that year of 09, really low, you haven't got, I had no kids then. I didn't have really- The perspective's you know, different. The house, that you're a bit of a different, you're a young individual mm. where you think life is only about car racing. Mm. Then you move forward to 2017 where now I've got two kids, I've got a house and I've got, and life is different. I know how I want it. You know how you want it to be and you know where you want it to be for your motorsport, but you also know that it's probably not – got to not the be-all anywhere. There's you a, got some other things it. going on. Yep. Business yep. is happening and all that sort of thing. Um, things just weren't working. I'd, I got promised a brand-new car, so Dave and I were going to have a brand-new car, um, you know, to roll out that year. It couldn't happen. They couldn't make one, so I didn't. I had the car from the year before. Um I can't remember who was which in was then. which was the old Walkinshaw car. Well, it was it one of the Walkinshaw cars that they'd got when they um, swapped from the Mercedes to the Holden. So in so we're talking seventeen. So that car was the car that Dave had driven in sixteen. Yeah, yeah, that you drove in seventeen because okay. he got a new car for seventeen. So then Mirko was um, had just come maybe just come to Australia, I think Mirko do uh, maybe not sure yep. timing wise. Yeah, so he was engineering me. Battling communication, maybe we were, we were working each other out. There was not really too mm. much of an issue there. Um, he was sort of new on the scene and I didn't feel like – so we were trying to make a car work that was not like Dave's yeah. on our own. So I felt like I was, again, I was like, shit, I'm on my own here. And like, this is not really how I imagine it going to be. This is my first time ever being in a two-car team. So I was like, all right, I'm going to be like – I'm going to get that opportunity now. Mm. And I it's felt not, very quickly that like, that wasn't Kelly's there. was four – Yep. BJR was three. Three. Yeah. Now it was like, right, I'm in two-car team, big focus around here. Betty's very committed to all this, blah, blah. Um, lots of things went on. So didn't get that. Then Mirko didn't engineer 
the next round, then Barry did, engineered me for maybe the Grand Prix. Um, was not too bad, sort of qualified near the top 10 a few times. Um, the consistency wasn't there, wasn't having a great run in the races, couldn't get myself right on that sort of front foot. Really struggled with that car. I always say I could never feel that car. I could not feel the front end of it. My whole time was coming in going, this is, the car's numb to me. And it was what I was continually saying. And then you start to question yourself, like, seriously, what are you, are you believing in your own words anymore? And there was lots of things going on. I remember sitting down, having a pretty heated moment, saying that there was, they developed a new upright. A new car wasn't coming for me. They developed a new upright on Dave's car. It was quite good. And it had moved Dave a long way forward. And he was, he was having success. Nothing harder when your teammate is having great success and you're really, really struggling. I remember sitting down saying, Baz, I want these uprights. And him turning around to me and I had a, one of my supporters come in or sponsors come in at the same time as well to kind of mediate just to try and get everything together. And Baz goes, listen, we reckon those, we reckon the uprights are worth two tenths a lap. And I never really took anything from that, to- that statement. I've pulled it apart a lot since. I go, I don't know how somebody can put a figure of two tenths. Is that around Tassie? Is that around Bathurst? Is that around two tenths at Tassie could move you five rows on the grid, but at Bathurst it might move you one spot. How do you put spot. a value on that? Yeah, I get what without you getting yep. into the guts of it. I go, it pissed me off, and I was like, I'm, and we weren't going to get them. He was like, oh, until we start to see you know better consistency and better this, you're not going to get those uprights. So there was lots of things there for me going. I am not getting the opportunity that I want to get here. Um, we did a we had a time where we went to Winton and drove. The swap cars, Dave got in my car, I got in his car, moved the tyres across. Um, I went faster in Dave's car, not not saying I went faster in Dave's car than I went in mine, not saying that it was fast enough, whatever. Dave went faster in his and did in mine, got out, hated my car, couldn't feel it. In his defence, he probably couldn't really say a whole lot. Hmm. His pay's coming in from, you know, from Barry and Betty and, and all that sort of thing and he didn't feel like he was, Dave wasn't one and it isn't one to make waves like that either. So I felt really on my own. I was like, come on, man. I need you to speak up. I Back need you to help me because we, we are at rock bottom right now. Mm. The This was not long prior to Sandown. Um, Barry and I had a massive blue in his office the night, um, the Thursday night, the Wednesday night, I think it was, of, of the Sandown 500. So the relationship was gone. I would say gone then. Irretrievable, unselfish. Irretrievable. It was yep. no good. Yep. Very difficult to put, like very difficult to perform. We didn't have a bad. I was with Pitha at, for the for Santa Five Hundred, and we ended up. He had a great co-driver race, made up a lot of spaces. I made up a whole lot of spaces, and we started fifth or something like that for the Santa Five Hundred or sixth, and finished reasonably strong. I think I've got to dig into it, but the relationship was not. It was properly gone at this point, and I had a two-year contract again. Um, at this one. point, at this point, You've got a few of those in the, the bottom of, of the drawer, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Haven't seen them through. <laughs> Maybe it's me. Um, so anyway, Anton Di Pasquale was starting to be on the scene. He'd been at a couple of test days as well. And you try and be thick-skinned. You try and be this. Nothing bothers me. Nothing. It freaking mm. does. Mm, you know. So I'm there having a real battle, trying everything I can to salvage. And you're also on the backside of it. I'm trying to tell my sponsors and supporters what's going on without being this usual fucking Dale's on the phone again mm, telling mm. us. It's another soap yeah, opera. Yeah, we've got another story. But, but are they reason. holding strong here? They, they are. Because they've they, clearly gone, no, no, we get it, we see it, we understand they it. They saw it. They saw yeah. it firsthand, um, especially the guys from GB Galvanising. 
saw it and felt it properly firsthand from I don't want to sit here and be saying bad things. They they had clashes and it was no it ended up no good with Barry and Betty. Um and this was at Sandown. There were some moments then um Betty let loose. So the 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 way Sandown always uh, sorry, the way Bathurst always lands, it's the um it's my it's Jess's mum's birthday and she died, you know, a few years ago, bits and pieces. So she was having a really a real moment. She was in tears one morning at the start of the Bathurst 1000 next to our caravan. We're just staying in a caravan in pit lane there. Betty saw it from a distance and thought that it was all in relation to the her and the team. The, and the racing pieces. stuff. Yeah. So she blew up. She ended up saying stuff about Jess and the whole thing. It was just shit. It all just turned to mark. Yeah, Let's really put it crap. Yep. And the stupid thing is Bathurst was a pretty good result. Dave won, I finished fourth. Which is overlooked because the, the, there was a fairy tale story for Erebus to win the race. Yeah. That's the little bit that's forgotten. That it was nearly two on the podium because yeah, really you and close. Chris were fourth. Really close. In that, you know, The worst Bathurst 1000 ever for me. And I, but with your best ever result. Yeah. You know, how's the irony of that? I know. And hated it. Absolutely hated it. Um, I had my own – the only fond moment I have of that day is one of a, a really good mate of mine, Matty, was there to open the door for me. When we pulled in, you pull in at the back under the garages there. He mm. was the one that opened the door for me and got me out and he congratulated and celebrated. I had some mates there. They all celebrated it. I pretty much wanted to do nothing other than cry. I was mm. rock bottom. And, and it's and not spe- – because, you know, most of the time that happens, mm. I've just missed the podium at Bathurst. No, nah, but this uh, is not even in your brain. Not one bit about it. Not one bit about it. It was the tensions between myself and Barry were unbelievable. We were so high. Um, you know, we couldn't speak. He had nothing to say to me after the race, and rightfully so. I, you know, I didn't really have anything to say to him. There was, it was no good. So then I think was it the last, the second last one might have been ta- was New Zealand. I think maybe went to Cookie. Yeah, that sounds about right. <clears throat> yep. It was just a bit of a. We, we knew what was coming, so let's get through. Um, I knew had I'd heard enough now that the discussions with Anton were. So this is big. like the Simona stuff from the yeah, previous. Yeah, Morris year. was around a lot. Um, he was he was helping out. Paul Morris. Yeah, Paul yep. Morris was around a lot, helping out. Um, Anton, the writing was on the wall. I had a two year deal, and by no means did I want to continue it. Mm. It wouldn't have mattered if it was. So we missed the cutoff date for the contract to be torn up, or there, there was a there was a date a particular date in the contract for it for both parties to agree and sign on um we missed that date and i per somewhat on purpose because i wanted to i kind of know i don't know for me it was like i was angry um bitter on how it all come about and i kind of wanted to tear this thing up on my own terms and we knew what was coming but i suppose for them the team barry and betty were a little bit like shit we've missed this cutoff point I'm sure the agreement had been done to say Anton's in and what the fuck are we going to do with Dale? Mm. But in my head it was like I was mentally at rock bottom. So I knew what I wanted. I knew it had to be over and I'd already started to think, what can I do? I do want to keep racing. I've got some amazing people around me. What can I do to put myself in control of myself and all that sort of thing? And I felt like that's when we get into the Carrera Cup era mm. and all that sort of thing. But, you know, saw, you know, got to the end of that with the um, – and there's lots of stories behind that whole Erebus thing. I think things now that probably aren't worth talking about maybe or diving into because – Oh, it doesn't achieve anything. No, nah, not too no. many of them are nice. But I reckon I've gotten to a point now where I go, I don't know that I'm grateful for those moments and situations. I don't say I'm not grateful for them, 
but I'm cool with them. Mm. I'm very much at peace with them because I have, I would not have the life that I have now. I have a, a like I have a business now that I say an amazing business because the people that I work with day in day out, I am truly excited to come to work and work with. They're not my people. We we all sort of work together, but and I think my home life and the way Jess and I have. Way Jess and I relationship with my boys and all that sort of thing, I'm glad I don't race full time, and I'm glad I'm not in those situations and under control of an individual or individuals. I'm, I guess, I'm my Your boss own now. Boss. I'm my yeah, own boss. Yeah. Yep. And and yeah, so I look at it now and I go, I'm cool with it all. Uh, yeah. And probably so, if you wandered past an Erebus garage at a Enduros, cool. Um, frosty still. Frosty. So salvageable one day. With some of the mechanics, like mechanics, yeah, it's always a, yeah. you know, hey, yeah. how you going? The whole one with myself and Barry, I don't know. There's a, a well, lot of water for, under yeah. it. A lot yeah. of water well, under the bridge there. I hope for both your sakes that, that, that somewhere down the track that those bridges can be mended. and Yeah. Because those things going on in, in life forever. I know. It, it. Yeah, it is 100%. Yeah. It's actually definitely one that, again, you want to be this macho bloke, you want to say, I don't give a shit. Mm. So mm. that, you do give mm. a shit. Yeah, of course. There's, yeah. not, there's not too many weeks that go by that, Things don't play out and and moments don't play out again in your mind and you think about it and you dig up and all that. So I think it's unhealthy. Um, there's a lot of tension there, say, between Barry and I still. Maybe similar personalities in that sense, somewhat Maybe hotheads and bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, whatever yeah. it is. It is what it is, but in terms of saying it ain't all doom and gloom because I have it. I have a freaking cool thing going on now. Mm. I race Carrera Cup, lucky enough, I still race up the front of it. <laughs> Haven't gotten too slow yet. <laughs> race up the front of that. I have a wicked co-drive deal with BJR and I love it there. And I could be a little bit of the same that argue that I didn't get the opportunity I wanted at BJR where I wouldn't be anywhere else but BJR now as a co-driver because they are very much a team that know who I am, embrace who I am. I know who they are. They don't manage me or whatever, whatsoever. They know the best way for me to come and do my job and I know how to – I don't know, the, yeah. the whole relationship They just leave there. you to your own devices. You, you're a big boy. You can do it. Um, I love that now. You know, I, I yeah, love what we've got going on there with BJR and with Andre and, and all that. So, yeah, to say now, like with all the shit that's gone on, I'm in a freaking good position anyway. Mm. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. And you went back to – you know, we know, well, you and Rick are really tight in the Kelly. So yep. you went back and you drove with Rick in the Nissan, the Castrol car for – what was that? So that was – uh, oh no! You did the Enduros in eighteen with Blanchard. With Blanchard, sorry, we missed that. Yeah, yeah. With, with Blanchard. So, so there's a return to BJR. Yep. And then a couple. That was of years a little with- bit of me trying as well. I got to that era. That that little bit of so me trying to cement myself as I can be a good co-driver. Yeah. Like you know, and, and I believed I was like, no, I can be a good co-driver. I've done this long enough. I'm fast enough, but I'm also reliable enough. And again, off track, I bring a. I like to think I bring an ability to be able to blend pretty well into a team, understand the, you know, the guts of it all. And commercially, if you want to put me in front of your team sponsors and bits and pieces, I think I can do the job on that front. So I was like, no, I'm good for this job. So, you know, arguably on paper, maybe it wasn't the, in the third car with Blanchard, it wasn't the best co-drive going around, but it was, it was quite good because, you know, I was able to showcase what I could do the following year and then continued on for two years with Rick. I loved those years. Suck driving with your mate, I guess. My face was on your car in 2020 
Remember the Castro yes. Mustang with all the, the faces yes. on it? I'm on the, me and my wife are on there somewhere. There we go. I'm not sure where. I can't remember where, but we were on your car that year. So that yeah. was cool. Um, did did um, quarantining up in Darwin. Had oh, a that's wick, right. Yeah. Had a wicked two weeks with Caruso walking around <laughs> strutting our chests off around the um, around the Darwin facility and then flying, to, you know, flying into Bathurst, crazy times, and I actually wrapped Rick's car with Rick when we landed into Bathurst. We wrapped that car. The race car. The race car with all the little pictures that yep. all just sort of come together. So we wrapped all that, went and raced, had a – look, we, I don't know. I can't actually remember how we finished. No, we didn't – the clutch might have failed on the – yeah, you had a delay. That one, something, anything. Yeah, it was, it was a rough – not, not the Whatever. best, but not the worst, yeah. The results weren't quite there in yeah. terms of me enjoying it. Loved it. Yeah. Pressure was off. Pressure was off and, yeah, so then that's for a couple of years with them and obviously drove with Percat then at BJR and now lucky enough to have another two years mm. with BJR with Andre. So um, I don't think that had been announced properly anyway, but now I think you might have just let that slip. Yeah, that's okay. That's life. Uh, 2021, so I've got a little quote here. Yes, this wasn't from 2021. This was from 2015, actually. You were called a cash cow with no ability. Yes. The bloke who said that's name was Nicholas Perkat. <laughs> who did you drive with at Bathurst in 2021? I know there was plenty around that. Yeah, driving with <laughs> Nicholas Perkat. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, and yeah, hey, uh, and that that cut me so deep. So that was that a was big, a that was at Sydney Motorsport. Park, Sydney Motorsport, and it turned into a verbals. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, he came down. I was in my garage, and Nick came down and called me a cash cow of motorsport and wasting people's money. He actually brought, for no reason whatsoever, he brought David Wall into that as well. In his splurge, he was like, "You and David Wall, all you are is you're nothing oh, but because cash he, cows." He, he's and, in. Is he in the same garage at that stage? Wall? Yeah, no, he wasn't. No, he, no, no, he, was, he wasn't even there. Wasn't even there. <laughs> Got um, a drive by. So yeah, so he wasn't. Uh, he Wally was not impressed with that whatsoever. And and at the time, I was really pissed on it. It was a tough time again. Yes, there was that you know stigma about maybe that's what I was and this cash cow thing. And I don't know. It, it just hurt at the time. Now I shrug it off. Cool. Mm, mm. Nick said some dumb shit in his time. I've said some dumb shit in my time. Mm. But we're uh, yeah, we're moving on. That year at Bathurst, though, didn't you have an injury to manage that was seriously? Put you in doubt for to the point where you you might have even lined up a bloke that we've talked about yes. in this pod to be a, to make a return. Yeah, that was um yeah that was that was really full on. Jesus Christ, I forget about all this stuff. It's only two years ago. Only two years ago. Yeah, yeah. twenty one. So I had had badly hurt my knee. Um, yeah, so done a lot of internal internal damage there. The there were some funny moments that went on, some funny phone calls to Brad and bits and pieces. Not so funny, but I'm um, funny now. <laughs> I'm not thinking at the but time. But my surgeon, so my surgeon said, absolutely no way in hell are you going to do Bathurst. This was, um, I was so really what did l- you do? What did you, what'd you actually done to it? Well, I just, I'd torn really badly what's called the meniscus mm. and then I'd fractured the bone above your knee, the big bone, um, fibia, I've gone blank on that. Femur? Femur. So I'd fractured that and then I'd had a cyst that it had formed. Oh. In that as well. So um, anyway, the surgeon said, absolutely no way in hell you, are you going to race. And I said, no, no, I'm telling you, I'm going to race. So you please do whatever you possibly can. He sent me to a few specialists. I got injections, um, like cortisone injections. That didn't do, do, do a whole lot. We then went and got a thing called PRP where they took a whole lot of blood out of me, spun it up and put all the plasma that separates back into the knee. That helped a lot. And they also mixed that with some steroids. So it got me to the point where I could kind of move around um, but nobody, I don't know how much I should um, announce this. Nobody would give me clearance hmm. and say that, yes, it's okay to race. And 
I got to the track on the, on the Wednesday and was hobbling around the Porsche, the Carrera Cup um, field or whatever, not trying to sort of be seen too much. And it was actually Troy Bundy who was managing that at the time that walked past and he goes, hey, have you, you've got medical clearance? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I'd, So this is like when you've got a budget back in the day? Yeah, yeah, deal, yeah, yeah. done, all yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely, all good. yeah. So I had a very good way of um, putting a level of certainty on my face <laughs> when inside. So then ducked off into town and rang my surgeon again and said, Doug, is there any possible way you can give me clearance? And before I could even finish a sentence, he's like, no fucking way am I giving you clearance. You should not be there. Hung up. Wow. So um, then I rang Brad. And told him and also rang Andrew Edwards. So I sort of spoke with those two guys and said, listen, this is what I'm facing. And I was in town just trying to hide out a little bit. And they're like, well, let's just play it. Let's just not say a word. Don't be seen by anybody. And let's just play it cool as you can. And when you're walking around, grit, smile, and pretend there's nothing's sort of mm. too bad. Mm. It was super painful. It was no good. And then on the, the Tuesday after it went straight in for surgery. Mr. Wood, when you come in, you have $1,000 on your chest. When you wake up. You no longer have $1,000 on your chest. <laughs> what? Yes. And he, um, he did some, uh, yeah, some pretty funky stuff inside my leg and got me going again. But I was really slow to recover. It took me – I'm glad I am denied about getting the surgery done before it and we had spoken about it and he was like, there is no chance you're racing Bathurst now. I'll give you surgery. There's even less of that no chance that you're racing Bathurst. So I was like, okay, uh, don't do surgery and we'll do it the Tuesday after. And I was, yeah, it took, it took probably quite a few months to actually get get it going again and all that. You finished sixth. We finished, yes, yes, we yeah. finished sixth. And I actually had a pretty good, I would say I had a good Bathurst. So I was had, it okay once you are in the car? Was this getting No, nah, it was really out? painful. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. it was crap. I was in the hot, and this is left knee. Uh, left right knee. knee. Yeah, left, I was in left, hot sweats. Yeah. Um, driver changes were absolutely horrible. It would just want to completely give way on me as soon as I got out. And at one point when you get out, you have to put, you wait on one leg mm. when you do that twist to get out of the car. And that there, they were the times where it would just, it was really, really bad. And I just, I had my helmet on and I'd sort of come in, hobble, go around the back and then hide. Yeah. Hide. Mm. Yeah. And try and get myself together again. And, um, but the team were good in like, they were sort of working in it. Let's just do least amount of this, start the race. Then you've really only got to do one in, sorry, one out and one in and then out again and you can go and piss off and do whatever. Mm. And so they made the race work really well for me. I had a ripping, two stints. So somehow, you know, all that sort of side of stuff worked. But no, nah, there was um it was shit. Mm. It was very sore, very painful and felt like crap in the car. So and it sort of pop like just lap after lap after lap and maybe 10 times a lap the whole the thing would fall to bits and then it would sort of like collect itself and <laughs> it was just yeah, it was just shit. Rough. Rough. But you had twisted the arm of someone to be on standby. Yes, I had. I had. So I'd called Rick and told him. And by this stage, we should remember too, Rick has retired. He's he, out. he finished at the end of 2020, that Bathurst you guys did together in the, yep. the Castrol Mustang with, all, with my face on your car and, you know, thousands of other people's. Yep. He quietly at the end of that year announced that he was done. I think he drove a ride day or something at Phillip Island the next year for Kelly Grove to just help him out, but pretty much he, he's done. He's done. I spoke to him after that ride day, and there was some quite some funny things spoken about as well. Because not by any means, he didn't want to do it. He was mm. he checked out, and mm. Rick is pretty cool in his approach as to he'll check out of something that's done. Mm. This is the next project, mm-hmm. and I mean, with him now, he's head down bum up on the caravan park he's building in Mildura, and different projects he's got going on with Hellbent Garage and bits and pieces. And I, 
wish I was half him in his grit and his um, ability to, I don't know, lock focus on something and give it 120% because that's what, you know, and that's definitely mm. what he does. So um, anyway, I had spoken to Rick, told him that the issues that I was in and what was going on. And I said, would you, if I have to make this call, you know, will you? Because I felt like I needed to be able to, Brad was paying me to do a job and I had the best co-drive gig in BJR and that, you know, to be with Nick and, and all that sort of thing. So I thought if I have to make this call, I've got to be able to say to him, and this is who is going to fill my shoes instead of leaving him at the point where I know he'd what thought about it. What do we do now? And he'd been through that actually in previous years, hadn't he? Because with, Walsh, maybe, or? with Ash Walsh, who was a, a last minute out, and Andre Heimgartner came in, and that got Andre going yep. again in supercars yes. a few years earlier. So, and then of course there'd been the that had Jason Richards there, obviously, and, and what had happened with Jay when he was crook was known as you know Bargs was there, and so there was a bit of that yep. over time. But this was a bit of a different one in that you know, injury, uh, how are we going to manage this? I would have thought that when you say the guy who's going to replace me if I can't go is two-time Bathurst winner, 2006 supercar champ, uh, old mate from Mildura. Yeah. I think that's pretty pretty good replacement if you could. Pull yeah, that definitely. Off. And one of the boys actually said if they'd have known this, they reckon that Andrew, would have hurt Andrew Edwards would have probably flicked me anyway because <laughs> he's got a bit of a man crush on Rick. Apparently, <laughs> that, was, that came from oh, one so of the guys on the who. team. You didn't tell him who. No. I just said, if I need to make this call, can you? And it was a real loose thing. It's not like he said, he goes, mate, I don't want to have to. He would have done it. As a mate. As a mate. To help you out. To help me out so that I didn't end up in the shit. Because he knew the predicament I was in. He knew that it's no good me trying to ring around and then find somebody. I mean, Mm, to be able to turn around and say, right, you've got somebody for your sponsors and all that. Because this is going to look really shit when I say I can't do it. However... It'll look better when we turn around and say that Rick can do whatever. So Rick has sort of been like, oh, you know, <sighs> yes, but <laughs> begrudgingly, yeah. And I've yeah. also said I'm going to do everything I possibly can. This is what I'm doing. These are the injections I'm getting. These are what I'm doing. So mm. don't get me wrong. I think I'm going to be right. Everyone else around me thought I wasn't going to be right, but I was probably in my head going one way or another. I'll make this right. Mm. However, I have a fallback if. If I desperately need it. Yeah. Last minute escape patch if required and you yep. didn't need to. You didn't need to. Last year's Bathurst is well known. Obviously it didn't last very long. No. And you said at the early part of part one of our chat that the team here at Sign Point give you shit because you cried on national television. <laughs> but that got me when I saw it because I tr- with motor racing I try to – for people who aren't into motor racing, don't follow it, don't get it, um, why and because I say this because this year is the 60th anniversary of the great race at Bathurst, so there's going to be heaps of history shit done all yep. year, and we'll be probably <laughs> guilty as charged for probably doing a fair bit of it in the next six months. But trying to explain to people what it means, yeah, why it's so special, why it's so important, I would take that 10 seconds of last year's broadcast of after that shunt at the chase, Andre. Car plows in, of course, St. Goddard and um, uh, Matt Campbell was in the the, yep. the Grove car. Yep. The show of you in tears with your wife, I'd just play that. That's what it means. It does. I mean, I think being able to sit here and tell tell you a story that I probably haven't spoken about, say, in depth before, mm. that's all the little things. It's mm. lots of moments that stem so back from 2009, 2000 and whatever yeah. of lots of little things. It's a constant grind to try and get to where you want. Mm. Now- what also comes with that is lots of things for me last year were a bit were tough. I mean, call it what you want. You know, you, you're trying to run a business and that's not always easy. We had a diagnosis at the time happening for my son, um, my son Jacko, my oldest boy, 
and um, it hurt me so bad what we had to go through and to try and get the support we needed at his school and for his diagnosis and things like that. And that was all at the same time. We couldn't, he couldn't no longer be at school. So that was very hard for Jess. There was so much going on in life last year. And I think it takes that pinprick to pop a balloon. Mm. And I think that's what really almost what had happened. So then the Bathurst week gets busy and I'm racing Carrera Cup and that went okay. And then you're there and you're like, well, we're starting pretty strong and we want to be, you know, and there was a bit of talk around Nick was in, uh, sorry, Andre had been having a really good run, sorry. So there was like, and he'd really ramped up prior to Bathurst last year. So it was like all the ingredients were there mm. for it to be something special and for it to end on lap seven. Mm. And I say, and then for me, I think it's that moment, that deflation moment where it all comes crashing down, mm. where what you've got going on in home life, business life and racing life, all at once, Intercept. that's it. It's yeah. all over. Yeah. So then you see this um, <laughs> not my finest moment. Plenty of shit is being given to me. But it's real. It's, it's real. real. It's, yeah. not, it's not put on for telly. It's not, I mean, it's not something to have to apologise mm. for. It's not something that you should be defined <laughs> by. It's just real. And, and that's, sport is the ultimate form of reality television. Yeah, it is. And that shows it. I mean, you've, you've lived it and, and we've spent the best part of two hours here chatting about the road that leads to that day. Yeah, it does. You know? Yeah, for sure. And, and I think it's easy for people to, you switch your TV on and you watch the race and you see within 15 minutes, 20 minutes, this guy's crashed out. Oh, my God, look at him now. He's in tears in the pits and that sort of thing. There's so much, there is a lot, a lot behind that. And it's, mm. and I think, um, so there, yeah, the, the emotions were real, but very quickly, I get back to work. So Monday was at home, drove back at home Monday, back to work Tuesday. A career driver turned up at about 9.30, which we have career drivers turn up all the time at work, dropping off vinyl and all the stuff mm. that we ordered. And he came out with one tissue in his hand and he said, I've got a delivery for Dale Wood. <laughs> no. <laughs> one tissue. <laughs> so another business, another business in Lilydale had sent the courier driver around with one tissue for a delivery. Is this another signage business? <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, right, it's okay. not. No. Oh, okay. It's another it's a another business that we work pretty close with. And don't worry, I'm I'm pretty quick to give shit to people. So uh and then my chin's gonna be stuck out for people to give shit, you know. You're getting it whacked. Getting yeah, hit. so it's You're um so there was plenty of moments and then I went away for a couple of days. Um I can't remember what it was. Now, whether it was whether it was Gold Coast maybe or something, I can't remember what it was. I had to go away for a couple of days and then the guys at work pulled out every clip they could possibly find on the internet of me crying and um, and then wallpapered my whole shower here at work. So they know that I come come from gym in the morning, come to work, I'll have a shower. So I've walked in and just seen this permanently stuck. I can't really oh, oh, remove it. Oh, it's still there. No, it's still there. Um, they did a really nice job of it, actually. We'll have to get a photo of this for our socials. Get a get a photo of that, and um, yeah, so of me uh, balling my eyes out in the shower. So while I have to <laughs> clean my balls in the morning, <laughs> look at this bloke in tears on national television. Oh, that's such a wood line. Oh dear, oh dear. So yep. So the other part that we do on these podcasts, mate. I'm not sure. Have you listened to any of ours? Some, yep. Okay, favorite episode. Have you got one? Um, have you heard? Was. It was the Formula One fella. The Formula I, One fella? Yeah, that I listened to. Oh, it's a while ago now, but he had been involved. I'm going to have to dig it up because I can't remember now and I was yeah. pulling. So the worst thing you could do here right now. Is say the wrong person. Is say the wrong person <laughs> or say that you heard one that was on Rusty's Garage, which is the worst thing you could do. I no, do it's love Rusty's thing. Garage, but um, no, now I want to come up with it. But hit me with what you're asking. 
We've got our National Motor Racing Museum couch racer questions where oh, the yes. fans get to ask yes. some of the questions. Did you pre-read these online before I got told about one. It was just this one stupid one. Okay, well, maybe About my it's abdominal in. muscles. No, that didn't that get a run. Only, right, okay. Be- because I figure if anyone hasn't looked at Dale's socials, it, well, if anyone has looked at them, then they know about your abs. If they haven't, they should go and check it out because they're impressive. That's a loss. $10,000 in Thailand. You can get anything done. <laughs> Um, Corey State, his question is, what wood would wood choose for his wood heater that would keep wood warm in winter? That's a freaking great question. I love chopping wood. Now, there's a, I think it's a hardwood called yellow box. So th- this is a, we've got this a serious a answer. Question. I'm so, I get I get wood over wood. Right, right. Yes, okay. I absolutely get movement in my undies over going to get firewood. Now, we have it, we have so, a, so we've had the DNM chat about the racing career and life and all this, and now we're getting the real Dale Wood. Oh, now you get now me excited. Now we're getting the real Dale Wood chat. Yeah, now you yeah, get me excited. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so what wood? What's the? I think it's a yellow. It's like a yellow box wood. So it's a it's a form of hardwood. It's a gum. I'm not very good with all this shit. I just know no, when no, I see you, it. You're going all right. You're going yeah, right. and I chop it up and split it up and it burns in my fire with no ash left and it burns really hot like I can put a log in the fire. I'm not going to bore you with this no, shit anyway. No, no, anyway, well, I'm telling you, I love people it. People are learning things. We, yes. I think sometimes uh, with people in racing we just talk, and we've talked a lot of racing, but we've talked a bit around the racing, but I think sometimes we don't get to learn enough about the people. So I reckon, and this is the power of the pod, and this, this is a thing, so I reckon when you roll up to the Enduros this year or your next Porsche Carrera Cup round in your, your Rothmans lookalike car, which, by the way, does look pretty schmick, yep. a punter is going to bail you up and ask you about firewood. Yeah. And, and the will- minute it happens, text me to tell me because then you'll know the power of the V8 Sleuth podcast. I, I love wood and love going to get wood. Wood gives me wood. <laughs> I think we've got our uh, – th- there's our tagline advertisement uh, – <laughs> Uh, line from the pod. Uh, Oliver Luca, best chance at winning Bathurst. Which was the best chance? Or is the best one still to come? I hope the best one's still to come. I th- I probably – I thought with Nick. I reckon like Nick was going – Nick was going really well. He found a really good spot, I reckon, at that sort of time. I don't, are we talking past or previous? Doesn't matter. Well, they're all past and previous. Yeah, but we t- one or the other or is it – Oh, you could take your pick. Well, I just reckon it, I rolled up with Nick thinking he's a dude that he if you can if you can get him into the right position, whether he had the car speed to get up to the front, he'll then make that car extremely wide and he'll fight to the death knock. He'll bring the car home with two wheels in terms of trying to keep that position. So I thought, oh, I really sort of thought, yeah, with Nick, if we can just spend all day and then land ourselves, Andrew Edwards was was right on it with the strategy. Nick was in a really good place in himself and with where he was in the, in BJR there at the time I felt and it was like yes this is this is my best opportunity and <clears> it went pretty good even despite having uh, yeah a bit of a limp exactly yeah mm. it's the yep. usual thing lots of ways that it could have been better but yep, yep. uh Troy Summerfield <clears throat> he remembers the scavenger hunt oh my at God. Bathurst remember that it was was it the Friday night live awesome. show that they've done over the years and and I remember this well um you and a bunch of other drivers, I think Moff, Slady, a few guys, yep. Jack Perkins maybe, were sent to go and find things at the top of the mountain among the campers. Yep. And one of the things you had to find was a carton of milk. What yep. did you find? I mean, you found – you didn't find a carton of milk, but you found something that you felt was yep. uh, ticking the box for that scavenger hunt. Yeah, I think it's had something to do with breast milk. So there was two things. <laughs> I had to find something used and I found a used G-string. <laughs> 
I don't want to know history. how you – right. <laughs> well, yeah. I went rummaging through a tent, but she seemed quite happy about it. <laughs> she offered yeah. it up. Okay. <clears throat> and then it was carton of milk, but it was – yeah, how – that's a really good one because I can't quite remember. It had something to no, do with well, – I, I turned it all back to – So producer for supercars, uh, Andrew Ampar, who – be, I love Angie. I love who's her husband. A ripper. Uh, and I love it? her husband. Well, Michael we worked for the Kellys for I a know, long time. I know, and I don't yeah, get yeah. to keep in – I'll get a message off him guaranteed once a year and it's the morning of Bathurst. Mm-hmm. And this is shit on my behalf because I don't message him regular enough or reach out to him. But every Bathurst we'll morning now. he messages and he is a he's freaking a legend. Yeah, he's a ripper. And Angie's too. Um, she worked yep. for Supercars for many, many years and great producer of – um, TV with Seven yes. and is with Supercar. She's one of the senior producers there. She's the Ange that the happy birthday Ange was to on Jazz's yes. tyres yes. at Perth for those who are who are wondering. But you went and just wheeled her in, in front of the camera and at the time she was pregnant and you said, well, <laughs> that's right. I think you said she's lactating so that's close enough. <laughs> standard wood, standard Dale <laughs> yes, wood. Yes, that's, you go. Yeah, that's there what you I did. Go. Um, Gus Pruden reminds mm-hmm. me. The lockdown video that you did, probably your best. Yeah. And someone else, Matt Payne also asked about this too. How close were you to chopping your own leg off in the video you made during COVID? Are they the same things or are they two same things? No, the two same things. And What did you do? You have no idea how close that was. So we did a video. I really wanted to bring some light to my sponsors at the time. I was like, we're getting when you nothing. Can't go car we're getting racing. no traction here. We've stopped car racing. Porsche didn't get going again. Porsche didn't get going again. No, yeah. so there was a lot of – and there was – Massive doom and gloom around everything. Yeah. So I said to a mate, uh, Geordie, come out. Let's do some fun filming. This is what I've got. This is my idea. This is what I want to do. So I've got a lawnmower company that was sort of helping me out, Coyote. I had Timken. Um, and I just thought I can bring them all together in this just this stupid clip that we did. I don't know if you've seen it or not. I think I saw it at the time and I've forgotten what it was. <laughs> anyway, so it was just me moping around my property in my race suit with my helmet on. I was in the swimming pool. I was curled up in a ball while my kids were sort of bouncing me on the trampoline. I was standing in the shower. But it was all stuff with my suit and helmet on. I was driving around with my head nearly falling off on these rider mower and stuff. Anyway, and then I was splitting wood. And I have – I've got my favourite axe at home. It's a big axe and I freaking love splitting wood. But I have never split it with a set of race gloves on before. So – Hard to get a hold? Well, I didn't realise but I've put this massive log – on my like set up on spot there. Geordie's like, righto, yep, go. So I've gone to chop this bit of wood, put all my effort in. It's gone, it's come out of my hands between my legs and the, the axes just brushed past my leg. Oh. It would have completely cut my leg in half if oh. I put every bit of effort in and it went and I felt it pass and I went white. I looked up and Geordie went, we've got the um, blooper. Of it, so we've got like the uncut bit, and he goes, "Holy shit, bro!" And I went, and I said a whole lot of other words because I just felt how hard this thing went past the inside of my shin, and that if it had just been another inch over, it would have um completely oh. split my leg enough. So yeah, it was it was properly close, but it was a great clip. <laughs> yeah, so close to disaster, but yes. worked out okay in the yeah. end. Okay, that's <laughs> probably wilder or closer to serious injury than any racing car. I reckon. I reckon it was. Yeah, it's it's not good. You watch closely now, and you're. Is like, it still online? Can we yeah, go and find it? it? Okay. Yeah, you can dive in. We'll yeah. go and find it. We'll go find it. Uh, one more, Alan yep. Marks. What's the story behind the crazy helmet designs that you pick? There's lots of fans mm. who love your helmets. Yeah, um, I've been up loving those lately, and because it's a thing that comes with my kids, I just say, I want to do a cool helmet for Bathurst, and I want to bring it. I feel like I love drivers' helmets, but I'd often feel like. They're all a little the same. Mm. So we've done a Minions one. We've done a Dr. Seuss one, which 
I have loved reading Dr. Seuss books to my kids. I'm not sure how much, I'm not sure if they love it as much as I do. I was going to say this is more for you than yeah, them, I reckon. Yeah, and yeah. we used and we loved the Cat in the Hat, the Mike Myers Cat in the Hat film. Yep. So we watched that heaps. Um, prior to that, I had a Santa Cruz one, and I was just nuts for BMX and motorbikes back in the eight, like late eighties and nineties. That was my thing. Just riding my BMX everywhere, and Santa Cruz was the sickest thing ever. And I used to love the. You know, just the the his paintings and art and all that sort of thing. So that's why. So the first one, Santa Cruz, did a Dr. Seuss one, did a Minions one, and then got one coming for this year. Any hints? Uh, another one fun for the kids. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> I'll bring a little bit of and, and bring a little bit of stupidity to it. I when I first did my doctor my Santa Cruz one, I was pissed off. So I was I that was I was with Blanchard that year, I think, and I just wanted to do a cool helmet. And had a deal with Bell, so I thought I need to keep this going. Let's do something cool. And on the back, I had like I've got a pointing, sticking up finger, a middle finger on the back of quite a few of my helmets now. And it's kind of been at a few people like Barry and bits and pieces along the way, (laughs) just like a little bit of a stick my finger up at you, but not. I'm I am completely cool with it. At the time, I was angrier, and I'd come out of a period that I was. So it was a little bit of like they're behind me now. Stuff you. This is where I'm going. And I'm happy, I'm happy enough to say what it is now, and it's yeah, it's it's a bit of a finger to the it's a bit of a yeah tongue in cheek, but yeah, 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 finger okay. to, finger it. to the yeah, yeah. finger to the opportunities that were missed. Yeah, that's <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice, nice. I like it, I like it. Uh, quickly too, yeah, memorabilia. Are you a hoarder or a get a ridderer? Because I find that motor racing people are either oh, I've got every suit and helmet that I've ever touched or had in my life, or I don't really give a crap. I've sold it all, given it away, done whatever. Where are you on the, I'm the scale? Second. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. I've got my I've got my helmets now because my kids love them, and I was yeah. like, "All right." Particularly these. The last ones, thing the they want is their dorky freaking dad's dusty helmets. Imagine when they get older and they're like, "Oh yeah, look at my dad's helmet." It's cool to ride your motorbike around. Yeah. So now like I'm, I was like, "All right, I'm going to keep a couple of those." I've got some fun gestures on some of those helmets. There's some notes in all of my helmets that most people won't ever know about, but I've put some little personal notes in people that have been just influential and. I don't know, given maybe me support in times of uh, – there's just some quirky notes in each of those, especially those last three. So I'm like, I'm, I'm keeping those, hanging on to those, everything else, ah, whatever, mm. just suits and shit like that. Jess will just get sick of. She yells and screams at me <laughs> for all this freaking uniform that's in there. Um, and so I was like, nah, get rid of that stuff. I don't really care for that. Yep, fair enough. Yep. Fair enough. Mate, 15 Bathurst 1000 starts, number 16 coming up in October. Haven't won one of them. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You're not quite at the point where most starts without a, you know, before you get your first win. So, <laughs> oh, so you get the, the dude took longer, Luke Yildon took longer. Oh, you know, there you it, go. it does and has There's happened. There's still hope. Yeah, mate, and when you drive for Bradley, Bathurst is special to Bradley. Oh, yeah. His um, talks, it, I, lo- I look forward to every the Sunday morning of Bathurst. I don't know how many people have experienced or even seen it, but Brad does a talk to the team. Like a huddle up. Yep. Yep. With everybody. Get in the truck and it's Brad, Brad has a chat. It gives me goosebumps. I love it. I love Brad. What I love his say? passion. What does he say? What, without, you know, he divulging just talks, anything. Or- it's not over the top. It's like, guys, we've had he'll, – he'll talk about the lead up, you know, what we've done and make mention of some key moments and just of his approach to the day. This is how, you know, we should approach the day and this is – and I couldn't be prouder of, you know, it's just some nice words that he says. I don't so know. So it's that not it's, like a rah rah footy G no, up. It's, not it's a, just a little bit of a. No, it's just a really cool note that comes from Brad's heart, like some words that comes from his heart. And I reckon he's bloody good at that. He's a bloke that you know that has done it for a long time. You know what it means to him. Because if mm. it, 
didn't mean much. You would have packed this in ages ago, ages ago and run a milk bar shop. You'd probably make mm. more money out of it. Mm. But you know what it means to him. And so I do love when he, the Sunday mornings of him getting us all in and lucky enough now I've experienced quite a few of them, hopefully experience a few more. Mm. Sounds good. Yeah. 15 Bathurst starts. You've done 84 rounds in the Supercast Championship, 167 races. And I reckon your pathway to getting to do all those is pretty cool as, as we've outlined yeah. over the course of this pod. The other number that is of interest to me as we sign off on this podcast, as we record this, yep. we're closing in on a number for you two, 40. Mm. Do you have a big 40th bash planned? What is Dale Wood's dream 40th bash? Because I reckon it's going to be loose. Well, there's a really funny thing around all this because I feel like there's something coming up real soon, real soon, that I'm not supposed to know about. Ah. Now, now, I must my say, silly I know wife, nothing. I know nothing. I no, know nothing. so my silly wife here, um, she sent out, she has obviously been in contact with many people of my friends. She has sent out a message not too long ago that headlined, shh, it's a surprise. I believe was supposed to message one of my mates, Dale Brown, and has accidentally sent it to Dale. Accidentally Wood. sent it to Dale. So, um, are we deleting this part of the podcast? No, nah, so I was pretty freaking strong, actually. I didn't read it. I was like, I know what's coming here because I saw enough to go stop reading, messaged her back, and I said, that's not much of a surprise. So she sent back some profanities and has then – but many people around me, including some of the people I work with, have done their absolute best to try and give away something that's coming up. If you could – if you asked me what my ultimate thing was – so Jess said, what do we know if you're 40th? I said, nothing really. I want to, I said, I'd like to go to Bali with a couple of people, and we're doing that. We're doing that in June. If I could maybe now, and I feel like there might be something coming, it would be a big freaking country hoedown. A hoedown? I just love country music. I love putting on my favourite country Who hat. Who did you go to? Bowing my legs and just ripping it out to country music. <laughs> and I reckon <laughs> I have a Lark, very good- Have you talked to Larko about this? I He's have a, a very good fan. feeling that something is being planned. Right. And there's something Along coming lines. very soon, possibly oh. tonight. What? As well, we record this? Possibly, but I I can't – I know oh. little bits, but I don't know enough. But I've had enough people say to me and some real key people and was only on the phone to um, one of the lads, one of the boys from GB Galvanising that this morning was asking me questions. He goes, hey, mate, I'll see you real soon. Oh. And I was like uh, – and then he had a bit of a chuckle. So anyway, oh, so well, what I have a bit of a feeling is if I could have a party, it would be with obviously my best freaking – my best people around me, you know, I've got so many of them, my people from work, people from motorsport, my people in life and my family, we'd all have a country kit up on, we'd have some hay bales around, we'd have some fucking country music blaring and we would be rocking it out hard. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's sensational. I think it's an apt way for us to finish uh, yeah. your chat with us on the V8 Smooth podcast. <laughs> um, when I do the closing record to this podcast, which will follow this bit very shortly, I'm going to report in on what unfolded. Yep. Sound like a good plan? Sounds awesome. Sweet. But, mate, thanks so much for having me on. I know, like, there's a shitload of history even between me and you, and I love that it's been a bit of a, like, a relationship that's just tracked along, never like this and never yeah, like this, so, but always just like this along the way. Far, no, it's always just been that, been... how you going, Noons? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how you going, Woody? Need, need a sponsorship proposal? Don't yeah, I? just a bit of that shit along the way. And it's um, and I feel like I've had a lot of that with many people in 
motorsport and I'm so bloody grateful of some of the yeah some of the people that are in my life and that I've had to do with through motorsport absolutely blessed so yeah bloody awesome and there you have it Dale Wood on the V8 Sleuth podcast I hope you've got a bit more insight into what makes him tick his slightly twisted sense of humor and his story in motor racing it's been a really great one and speaking of stories I said that I would give the update on the birthday remember that he had a sniff that something was going on the day that we were recording this well, his spidey senses were right. There was a surprise party that evening. His wife, Jess, had outfitted his shed, as he said, a full-on country hoedown. There was hay bales, a live band, there was cowboy outfits and all sorts of stuff going down, so it sounded like it was one heck of a night, but he was onto it. Although, I have heard too from a couple of reliable sources the birthday boy may have pushed a bit too hard in the early laps and blown the tyres off and had to pit early. So anyway, sounded like it was a banging night, but trying to get a surprise party past D Wood sounds like it is going to be a little tougher next time around because he was onto that one. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast and a bit more insight into one of our friends from Australian Motorsport. Uh, I'll be back next week with another episode of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Check out the back catalogue and I'll chat with you next week. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out.